0: Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of On Set with Errol Koenig. I'm Errol Koenig. This week we have an amazing guest, screenwriter Emma Niedel. As an up-and-coming writer, she is working on a script for Disney, The Waterman, with Oprah Winfrey's production company Harpo and David Oyelowo attached to star and produce, as well as an adaptation of the Dark Horse Comics graphic novel, The Big Hoax. In this episode, we talk about how she got her start writing and the process of getting your script purchased by Disney. So here's my interview with Emma Niedel. Hi, Emma. Hey, Errol. Uh, So introduce yourself and tell us a little about what you do.
1: Uh, My name is Emma Niedel. I graduated from Johns Hopkins in 2012, and I am now, after a year and a half, a professional screenwriter.
0: Cool. Um, So uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, what you have done so far uh, in your writing career?
1: Yes. uh, Writing career technically began that uh, right after graduation. I really hadn't taken a writing class at Hopkins and learned the hard way (laughs) Mm -hmm. through my first script. Uh, And then I realized I needed some additional help. The screenwriting books weren't enough. So I took classes at the UCLA Extension screenwriting program. Mm -hmm. And I took this one class, which was perfect considering both my budget and the fact that I had a full-time job. Uh, which was a master class with Steve Mazur, who basically taught me everything I know about screenwriting. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, in that class, I wrote this script titled The Waterman, okay. which then launched my career um, in 2014. Um, and I was able to transition to full-time screenwriting
0: uh, May of 2015. Yeah, so The Waterman uh, was picked up by Disney uh, with Oprah and uh, David Oyelowo attached um can you talk a little bit about that process of how of how that script kind of went from you know your screenwriting class all the way to disney
1: yes uh pretty cute story if i have to if i can say myself uh so i wrote this this waterman and i submitted it to the open submissions contest the nichols fellowship Mm -hmm. which is put on by the academy so you know who does the academy awards so it's open to anyone who can apply so and i submitted waterman it got into the quarterfinals, and then my friend, um, who was the assistant to my former boss's agent, mm-hmm. he just got promoted to being a manager, and had heard about Waterman and how how it did in the Nichols Fellowship and asked to read it. Mm-hmm. And I had known him for a bit. He was a manager. He just got promoted at that time at Anonymous Content, mm-hmm. which is a, a pretty big management company yeah. in LA. Uh, he... I was his first client, which is pretty cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and he blasted it to, to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time he knew a lot of um, creative executives and other assistants. Sure. Hollywood yeah. is very small and once you get to know everyone, or once you get to know a lot of people, it feels like you know everyone. Mm-hmm. And from there the network it spread across this incredible network that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, Same with my agent who also just got promoted to being an agent when I, um, and I was his first client, and he was a friend mm-hmm. of mine too. So like, I'm very lucky in that way, which is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from there, it, it just it somehow got into the hands of, of David Oyelowo. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, I had three offers on the table for this script. Mm-hmm. I had one with uh, $125,000 on the table to buy it outright. Mm-hmm. And I was an assistant making thirty grand a year, and so that gross. So I was like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, all the like I could I could like eat better than ramen for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, another one was with a studio, um, but they would want a specific director attached to it that was already firmly in place. Mm-hmm. Um, if I went with them, it would have to be with that director. And then the third option that came along was with Harpo Films, mm-hmm. Oprah's production company and David Oyelowo attached to produce and star. Mm-hmm. They weren't offering any money, but what they said in return was I would, they would protect me as the sole writer, which is a huge deal for a yeah. first-time screenwriter. And I would also be involved in the creative process on, on mm-hmm. everything involving that script going forward. And the other thing I really liked about that offer was they, in that meeting, they, we had a, a pretty big talk about the Waterman, man, its theme, You know what what it meant to them and immediately i knew they they knew what the story was the core Mm -hmm. of the story which was a a story that i that's very personal to me not because it it happened to me in any way Mm -hmm. but just um where where the inspiration for it came from um Mm -hmm. and i i wanted to make sure it stayed creatively and artistically intact Mm -hmm. So I ended up going with them for no money. So I stayed with my 30 grand a year assistant salary. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Disney after after Oprah and David got attached, Disney swooped in almost immediately and offered the best deal of them all. Yeah. So how did I get there? A, a lot of in some ways luck, which is just mm-hmm. unfortunately or fortunately if you're the lucky one, that's how this crazy town works. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, so when you're writing your script, um, I think let's first start before you got you know before before you sold it, like when you're first writing it, kinda of what's your process when you're coming up with the story?
1: Well, Waterman is unique because I again I wrote that um under the tutelage of this this guy, mm-hmm. this profe- this teacher, um, sage, if you will, mm-hmm. Steve Maser. Uh but other scripts in- and including that one, uh so, I mean, to say it starts with an idea sounds simple, but that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But even more from that, um, and this is actually a little advertisement, the Art of Dramatic Writing, Lajas That's this, this is like the Bible of screenwriting in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of the premise, and that premise mm-hmm. is more than a theme. It's your argument as a writer that you're making through allegory. So mm-hmm. anytime you write a story, you have to know the why. And that why must be personal to you as a writer and mm-hmm. if you can't and, and part of it is so much about a screenplay is making the, is putting the audience in the place of the protagonist so they mm-hmm. feel what they're going through. It's a way to, to translate emotion mm-hmm. uh, and empathy. So if you don't have a strong argument with a personal backing behind it, there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to write this screenplay. Mm-hmm. And you know an example of the importance of the premise. Uh, this little metaphor I sometimes use, writing a screenplay is like a journey through the woods to a beautiful destination, mm-hmm. and you don't have a map, and all you have is a direction you know you need to go, but your premise is your compass, mm-hmm. and it will guide you, If you and you might stray from it now and then, you might get lost, but as long as you have that premise, the point of the entire screenplay, you'll mm-hmm. be able to go through it. and. Unfortunately, sometimes finding the premise is one of the hardest or figuring out, you know, you have your idea, but then figuring out the premise is the next thing. And it could take months before you realize your narrative, if your narrative is telling that, Mm -hmm. that argument.
0: Okay. So the script got picked up by Disney and uh, in Harpo. Um, So, you know, as the writer, now that it, you know, you wrote the script, it's picked up now you have to make rewrites and all of that stuff. Can you kind of explain about how that process goes first when you first got signed, uh, signed with Harpo and then uh, when Disney came along? How was that? Re- yeah.
1: Uh, so the script I wrote, I, it, what is definitely R-rated, I think along the lines of A Pan's Labyrinth or Stand By Me, that's sure. sort of R-rated. You know, there's cursing and it's very dark. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a surprise when Disney wanted it. I mean, yes, it's starring children, but again, I think Stand By Me is a great mm-hmm. example. The, those boys are, are cursing and you know talking like actual kids do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I we knew that there were going to be rewrites, and the worry with that we had Harpo, um, the executives at Harpo, David and I, what we were worried about is okay, where is Disney going to want to take it? And we were very hesitant about what they had to say. Mm-hmm. The good news is um, they wanted to keep the ending, which is probably like the debatably darkest part of the whole Mm -hmm. script Um, but they wanted to make it more magical along the journey uh, and take out the cursing and also there was um, and and take out a few other things Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't a total reimagining of the story which was Mm -hmm. a good thing it was only figuring out how to make it more how to have more magical or adventurous set pieces Um, you know kind of big big segments in the in the script that you know the trailer moments as people like to say yeah um, so it wasn't too challenging that way. And again, what grounded me and what, you know, cause you're staring at this page, looking at this screenplay going, okay, this might like, not only, not only, you know, this is my first writing job. This is my mm-hmm. first assignment. Um, and even though it was writing my own sc- rewriting my own script, mm-hmm. it's still terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but th- because I knew my premise coming up with those trailer Trailer moments mm-hmm. um, wasn't so intimidating, but I mean, I it took they give you like eight weeks to do it, so mm-hmm. you have plenty of time. But you, uh, for instance, I'm and this is probably an indication of my Hopkins education, but I like wrote out a syllabus, yeah, and and, and had every day, every week my goals and what I was going to do. Mm. Um, and the other thing I have to say, which is which is huge, anytime you're Working with the studio, it's incredibly intimidating. Um, mm-hmm. st- I feel like sometimes studios operate out of fear. Um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, they want a movie to do well, and do well means make money. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what, what is good and what makes money aren't the same thing. Sometimes yeah. they are. But at the end of the day, money is the number one goal. So studios operate in fear a lot of the time. If you, and, and, they can, and they can be very intimidating, especially as a new, you know, 24-year-old new writer. That mm-hmm. was absolutely fucking terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, the good news is I had a huge safety net of people to go to professionally. Yeah. Managers, number one, they read it. And then also uh, the executives at Harpo, mostly Carly Gardini and mm-hmm. Emily Rudolph, amazing ladies, and uh, David Odiloa. So all of them read it, gave me notes. I did rounds of notes on the rewrite. I got from the people I trust and the people mm-hmm. who are working on it with me before I even sent it to the studio. So it was vetted by a lot of different people.
0: Mm-hmm. So how much? Just curious, because you know I and I assume most people know David Oyelowo as an actor. Uh, how much input did you know or what? Or did he come from it from like a more actor's perspective when he gave you the notes, or what type of input? Mm -hmm. You know.
1: So uh, David is one of the uh, most charming people I've ever met, Mm -hmm. and uh, incredibly, incredibly heartfelt and intelligent. Mm -hmm. So he he's he's attached to play Amos, the father character. So he had a number of notes that came from his place as a father you know that's something i will never experience and he was able to give insight into what it is to be a father and those emotions Mm -hmm. the way he gave the note was great he said the emotion and the intent behind what it means to be a father and together we brainstormed what that could mean in in action Mm -hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't in and it uh and he it wasn't just based on his character that he gave notes but he also gave notes based on just Tone or adventure, but he was also very, it was, he was very, uh, producerial, mm-hmm. I guess is the word I'd use. Um, and he just, part of it is he knows the industry much better than I do. Yeah. Um, and so could anticipate notes a studio might get. Um, but he's definitely not just an actor, he's also a producer. And who knows, maybe even one day he'll be a director, but he, I, I have this full faith and confidence mm-hmm. in
0: where he's going to go. Cool. Uh, so how much interaction did you get with, uh, with Oprah?
1: Oh, I get that question so much. Uh, sure n- n- none yet. Okay. Um, but she knows I exist. Well, and that great. gives me so much happiness. That's, that's more than most people. That's more than most people.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so would you kind of recommend your path going back to your experience and, you know, starting in the industry would you recommend your path to like an upcoming you know film student like would you recommend you know going to a school like hopkins you know with the film program and then you know coming out to la and writing and then get lucky and you know try to sell your script you know for your friends who just become managers and just mm-hmm. become agents
1: if anyone does that exact thing I will give them a hundred dollars. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think everyone the the and I remember very, when I was a student getting and even um, a few years ago getting very frustrated. The question when I when I would ask someone, you know, what do you recommend or what do you suggest for the aspiring screenwriter, or director, or what mm-hmm. have you, because everyone would say a different answer. Yeah. Or say I don't know. It's a lot of luck. And that used to frustrate me, but it's absolutely true. There's not one path for anyone, and the challenging thing about working in Hollywood mm-hmm. is that there's no set path. I mean, at at some level, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a doctor. You go to law school, you go to medical school, and mm-hmm. you know, while there are obviously huge challenges even getting into either of those and continuing, then where you go from there, mm-hmm. if you get in, there's a set path, and there's there's a really uh, there's a there's a, a, cert, there's a certainty mm-hmm. um, in, in that path. It's absolutely not true for Hollywood, no matter what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And this is the answer. I've heard this answer from a number of writers or directors, uh, and I, I truly believe it wholeheartedly myself as well, which is all you can do is improve your chances. So mm-hmm. everything you yourself have the power to control, you better make sure that those are in a, in the best position they can be. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you want to be a writer, a screenwriter. All right, you better live, if you if you want to improve your chances, I would recommend living in New York or LA. Your chances mm-hmm. increase if you live in LA. You know, who do you know? The more mm-hmm. people you know, because it is definitely one of those industries, the better off. If you don't know anyone, make sure you find out. You, f- you find ways to get to know people, whether that's, you know, I was in, my first job out here was actually an internship for Lawrence Bender, who's a big mm-hmm. producer out here, and that helped me meet, That helped me even understand what agencies were, what managers were, what mm-hmm. producers really did. How to how to write an email to a studio. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. There's a secret language of professional Hollywood that you need to know. That's why a lot of people work at agencies. I mm-hmm. wouldn't suggest it for people who want to be creative. Just because it's so goddamn taxing mm-hmm. and you see so much stuff, it sometimes it's hard to, to follow what your voice and what, who, what you should be writing because you want to follow what the everyone, you know, the Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. what yeah. is cool at the time. But that's a whole other story. Uh, but everyone's path is different and all you can do is improve your statistical chance and, and be incredibly self-aware, which means you're mm-hmm. probably going to fail and be wrong most of the time. -hmm. And what you want to do is learn from every failure. Uh, I don't know if you saw La La Land. Sure, (laughs) Sure. great movie, as the world knows. But uh, that opening song, which I absolutely love, "Another Day of Sun," Mm -hmm. talks about you know um, when they kick you know get up off the ground. It's another day of sun. Whatever those lyrics are, that's exactly the mentality you have to have if you want to work in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. That every time like every i've probably spent around a grand to a grand and a half on festival submissions for short films mm-hmm. on screenplay competitions and the you know gotten n- nowhere with it that good that said you know it helped give my friend this uh, new manager mm-hmm. you know the the motivation to read it mm-hmm. but the, like if i hadn't known him it wouldn't have gone anywhere so mm-hmm statistical chance just improve your chances
0: sure um so i guess kind of going back to what you're working on now uh you know since you uh since the waterman uh got picked up you've also uh uh, have started working on an adaptation of a dark horse comic um and making that into a feature Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you know what the process of adaptation is like sure
1: uh it's it's well, so this this is a unique situation. Um, I can talk about. I'll briefly talk. Uh, I'll I'll talk about what I'm doing, but it's separate from a normal adaptation. Mm-hmm. So it's this the big hoax. This okay. um, it's an Argentinian film noir. Mm -hmm. that uh i lived in when i was in hopkins i lived in argentina i for in buenos aires for a summer and i did a film internship down there cool and i found this graphic novel in a hole in the wall bookstore um i was 19 when i was down there and i've been holding on to it and been wanting to adapt it Mm -hmm. since um when i got my agent the first thing i asked is i want to I want to see where these rights are, and if they're available, I want them. Mm-hmm. Turns out Dark Horse had, has the rights. They didn't even okay. know because it's mm-hmm. such an obscure comic book. Mm-hmm. But they gave me the option for free. So that means I have the rights to this book. No one else can touch it mm-hmm. uh, until May is when it expires. So I've been, I've been working on that, on adapting that. And this is a unique adaptation. I mean, number one, it's very dated. It was written in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's pretty misogynistic, but that's also, you know, why I am excited to write it to give it mm-hmm. a more, uh, modern day <laughs> sure, sure. tone and feeling and treatment towards women. Um, but I also, I do, I, what I am really focusing on is, is the characters and uh, making the story modern day. So this is set in the forties, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm making it modern day. Uh, and it's really what I'm what I'm how I'm adapting it is really taking the characters and having them form their own narrative that fits a modern day again it's a this is a film noir and it reads like a 1940s film noir yeah And while there are stylistic elements that absolutely must be brought to this modern day adaptation, you know film noir was perfect for the time um, mm-hmm. what it was going you know what America was going through aesthetically, what it was confronting I mean it's, it's considered still one of the best, You know, film eras of all time. Yeah, Uh, yeah. definitely, maybe America's, but that was then, and I think you know, I'm making it neo noir. And what does that mean? Just elements of film noir, but but adapt like the thematics and plot that Mm -hmm. fits a modern day world. Okay,
0: all right, cool. So uh, let's wrap this up. Two more questions. Um, The first one uh, is. What are a couple films that you would recommend to an aspiring writer or, you know, an aspiring uh, student uh, that wants to go into the film industry and what makes them so special and important?
1: Great. So uh, one one film, two film. I'll recommend two films. Um, one, this is based off of books. I feel like it's a little bit of a cheat mm-hmm. just because... While some book adaptations are amazing and many great films are book adaptations, you know, you still have a, a genius source material you're mm-hmm. taking from, but it's still so good that whatever, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs. Okay. So the idea of the premise, uh, we'll, we'll set that aside, but in, in a good screenplay and many good screenplays, there's the plot. And then there's the emotional through line. Mm -hmm. And the emotional through line is basically synonymous with the character arc. Mm -hmm. And that's what the character is confronting via the plot and how it changes them, resulting in either triumph or tragedy. Mm -hmm. Silence of the Lambs, I think, has the best character arc or emotional through line of all time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of it is it's this young girl who has this very dark event in her past that she reconciles with the psychiatrist, who also happens to be a serial killer. Mm -hmm. Which is just, you know, she's dealing directly. It's so funny because the, the character arc is all about this, you know, the protagonist confronting some, a fatal flaw. Which, fatal flaw really is a coping mechanism that the character has developed in mm. order to deal with the world. But that's a flaw. It's something they yeah. must overcome, right? Yeah. So she's dealing with that and she has to <laughs> confront it through a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. That would be so boring, except for the fact that he's a serial killer. So plot-wise and character arc-wise, I think that's one of the most genius screenplays of all Mm -hmm. time. But again, it it has a great source material that it's taking from. Another script I would recommend, or another script definitely, but movie I would recommend is Michael Clayton. Mm. Not necessarily, I mean, I think it's a genius movie, it's a genius script, but the story behind the script I find really interesting Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I actually have one more after this too which relates to this one but I think it's important for other, for aspiring screenwriters to be aware of mm-hmm. Tony Gilroy uh, wrote that and it took him 15 years to write Michael Clayton mm-hmm. um, and he had the idea the basic log line for the idea basically someone finding out a huge corporate scandal mm-hmm. um, and, and you know the conflict of what he is going to do about it and that and he has an amazing speech, I believe at the BAFTAs, where he's talking about that script and how he went through so many iterations of trying to figure out what it was. And there are some scripts that you, in a writer's life, you know, I haven't been a writer that long, so I don't, don't fully empathize with, but I understand because I too get writer's block mm-hmm. and get lost. Uh, if you love an idea, even if you can't figure it out, don't abandon it. Mm -hmm. And take comfort in the fact that something like Michael Clayton took so many years to figure out, but it's so nuanced and brilliant, it was worth it. Mm -hmm. Then another script like that, I would say, is Amadeus. Um, Milos Forman directed, I don't believe he wrote it, and I should know the writer, but I forgot. Um, But what I do know is that script took 42 drafts. Okay. Full drafts. And, 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 you know, it's one of the most brilliant movies and screenplays of all time. But it also took time. Mm-hmm. took a lot of time. And I, I find great comfort in that. So, you know, it, until you get to draft number 42, <laughs> don't settle for anything less than best. Mm-hmm. And
0: don't despair. <laughs> okay. All right. So, last question. If you could give one piece of advice to an aspiring filmmaker, an aspiring uh, writer, what would it be? write and direct
1: and keep getting better and don't let don't let anything get in your way especially for writing I mean filmmaking you need to have a camera you need to have money you need to have actors Mm -hmm. but you can still do that I mean there are YouTube stars you know right now who are very talented who are showing off their directing chops and getting Mm -hmm. real jobs from it but especially writing it I mean it's there's a, there's a blank screen in front of you. You, you have all the tools to write today. Mm-hmm. Any, any screenwriter does. Or any aspiring screenwriter does. Yeah. The only thing holding you back is yourself. Now, a writer's block can be very real uh, and very terrifying and very crippling and very humiliating mm-hmm. because you have everything in your power to write a good story if you just do it. But you can't write a perfect screenplay day one. It's going mm-hmm. to take years. And uh, I would say just start, you just have to start with a shitty first draft.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, helping me on my podcast. Uh, When can we expect to see The Waterman in theater? Uh, I know it might be a couple of years. (laughs) Hopefully
1: sooner rather than later, but Mm. definitely not before 2018.
0: Okay. So 2018, keep on the lookout. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thanks, Errol. That was my interview with Emma Nidell. Thanks again to Emma for joining me on my podcast. And finally, if you like the podcast, give us a good rating and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And don't forget to like our Facebook page to stay updated. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on set.